Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back. We're in week number two of our series that we're titling Dollars and Cents. We're talking about finances, and Scripture has a lot to say about finances. This week, we're really asking the question, am I generous? Am I generous? A question that I, I think I want to ask you to ask yourself. We're going to be in John chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Let's read together. It says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. And there, there they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. Verse 7, But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always, but, but me you do not have always. So why did Mary do this? We're asking the question, am I generous? Why did Mary do this? Why, why was she so generous in this moment? And I want to encourage you again, ask yourself the question as we, as we kind of walk through this together today. Am I generous? Ask yourself that question. I'm not asking you. I want you to ask yourself. And Mary comes and gives a very, very generous gift to Jesus. 300 denarii worth of perfume, this oil that she pours out. And a, den- a denarius was, was one day's wage. So 300 denarii is almost a, an entire year's salary, an entire year's wage. So think about whatever your wages are, whatever your annual salary is. If it's $30,000 or $50,000 or even $100,000 or even way more than that. Listen, whatever your wages are, can you imagine buying perfume that cost a year's wages and then pouring that perfume out on Jesus? Obviously, this was a, a very generous gift. This is a huge gift. It's an extravagant gift. Why did Mary do this? Why did she do this? Here's another question I want us to ask. Why did it bother Judas so much that she did it? Why did it bother Judas? Why did, he, why did it matter to him? Listen, generosity and selfishness is a constant battle constant battle. This is the first thing that I want to talk about this morning, really. And there's a battle between generosity and selfishness. We're born selfish. We are not born generous. We're born selfish. I want you to think about that. Have you ever heard a child say the word mine, right? 
Mine, it's mine. Have you ever heard that? Mine, 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 mine. Yeah, they, they, all the time, they can, say, and they can say it in a way that will cause every nerve in a parent's back to spasm, right? Every, every brain cell to kind of crosswire. It, it, it is amazing. You can be in another room talking in an adult conversation with someone else, and you hear those words, mine, 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 and it just sends you up the wall. I, I, for all of you younger parents, listen, listen, and I, I'm a little bit older now. But let me just share something with you. There comes a time and place in parenthood where where you're no longer concerned with justice. You don't care whose toy it was, right? What you're concerned with is quiet. You're concerned with quiet. And you really don't care what happened. You really don't care what was going on. You really don't care who had the toy. You really don't care. You just want some peace and quiet. So what do we do? We walk in and we hear the little kid saying, mine, mine, mine. And then what do we, what do we do? Just give it to her or just give it to him. Right? Just (laughs) the older one is like, it was mine. I really was. I don't care. It doesn't matter in this moment. Listen, we're all born selfish, right? It just happens. It happens supernaturally. By the way, adults are no different. We're born selfish. And this is something we got to work out of our life in the entirety of it. It just keeps rising up. Listen, here's what I want you to understand. Generosity comes from God. Selfishness comes from Satan. Generosity comes from God. Satan was selfish before he fell. Before the fall, before he, before he fell from heaven, was what caused him. It's what caused him to get kicked out, booted out. When he fell from heaven, he made these statements. I will be exalted. I will sit on the throne. I this, I that. I will be like God. I will. I want the attention. I, and he began to make statements of selfishness. And so he fell, right? We've got to fight the battle between generosity and selfishness. Notice what Judas says here in John chapter 12. The very next chapter, or, or, or excuse me, John chapter 12, verse 6, it says this, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He, he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used to take what was put in it. I want you to notice something here. It says, This should have been given to the poor, right? I want you to think with me for a minute. This is the age-old excuse and cover-up for selfishness. This argument, this very one, think about it. How often have you heard about nice things? They should have given that money to the poor. They should have, you know know what I've realized? Any house that's bigger than your house, any car that's bigger than your car, uh, those are the things that should be given, right? Anything that's nicer than our stuff, right? That's what we kind of think, oh, it was a waste of money. Listen, that's selfishness, that's greed, that's envy, it's jealousy, all those things wrapped up. Listen, Judas did not care about the poor. As a matter of fact, he just cared for himself. That's what Judas was doing. He believed that Jesus was here to set up an earthly kingdom. And when he finally figured out that Jesus wasn't here for an earthly kingdom, Judas began to take that money for himself. That's what the Bible says. 
And he set up his own kingdom, right? He's, he's kind of he's moving it aside. Matter of fact, so much that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because he's selfish. He's selfish. Selfishness always has... Uh, always looks at the the prosperity or the extravagance of others to cover up its own selfishness. Selfishness doesn't care about the poor. It doesn't care about anything. It cares about itself. Selfishness, it, it provides and protects for itself, right? It provides a good, it also provides a good reason. Oftentimes people have a good reason Right? Judas said, this money should have been given to the poor. Sounds, sounds great, doesn't it? Sounds like a worthy, noble cause. Right? Sounds incredible. Selfishness says, this is a good reason for you not to be generous. This is a good reason for you not to be generous. I, and I, I've seen this firsthand. Listen, I, I've traveled around the world. I have seen selfishness. I, I have tra- I traveled to the nation of Haiti a number t- of times. In the nation of Haiti, there's an entire place there outside of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, the capital city, where there's all these real colorful homes. You've probably seen this on an advertisement or a a clip, a money, kind of a fundraiser video that I've seen on public television over and over and over again. And it was a ploy to have people send money that they're building these homes for all these people, these poor people. Listen, can I tell you something? There is about... 200 homes there and those 200 homes generated 35 billion dollars worth of u.s money it was a scam and all of haiti knows it and by the way a former president of the united states came up with that scam and uh, the people of that nation absolutely cannot stand that former president i won't mention his name, but it's, it, it says in the Bible here, it says that Judas did this because he was a thief in the money box. He would, he held the money box and would take what's put into it. I want you to think about this. Who gave Judas the responsibility of carrying the money box? It obviously had to be Jesus, right? Jesus was the rabbi. He was the leader. He was the one they were following. Did Jesus know he was a thief when he gave him the responsibility to carry that money box? Absolutely he did, without a question. Listen, don't miss this. This may be the most important thing you hear today. Listen, you will always be tested in your area of weakness. Always. And it's not so that you will fail, but it's so that you will overcome. The reason is so that you will succeed. God has given you, He's building your faith. You, you don't know if you'll succeed with God or, or, or not unless you're tested. Unless you're tested, and God will actually allow you to be tested in your area of weakness. First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. God gives us that with every temptation, he makes a way of escape. Listen, you will actually be given a responsibility in your area of weakness. 
in your area of weakness. I love this quote. It says this, being willing to do what you're not qualified to do sometimes is what qualifies you. Being willing to do what you're not qualified to do, oftentimes that's what qualifies you. Judas was given a responsibility in his area of weakness, which was money. It was money. And money is a huge test to what we believe, to how we believe, to if we believe. Do we trust God totally? I know we say that conceptually, but we, do we trust Him? Do we have faith in Him actually, right? You, you may not understand this, but I want to show you today, you are being tested right now as to how much spiritual authority that you can walk in by how you handle the money God has placed in your care. We are stewards of the resources God's placed within us. So Luke chapter 16, verse 11 says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the, in the unrighteous mammon, mammon is money, who will, commit you, who will commit your trust to true riches? If you've not been faithful with money, who's going to entrust the true riches of this life to you? And true riches have to do with people. It has to do with people and souls we're, we're, and, and, and the things of God, words of knowledge, words of healing, prophecy over, over people's lives. Power, right? God is not going to give you power if you can't handle money. And I know that's strong, but we need to hear this, right? We prove every week, every month, how high of a place God has in our lives by hand, how we handle money, by what we do. So it's important to put God first. We talked about that last week. And, and so I, I want to give you a few, few things to think about this morning. First of all, generosity is extravagant. Generosity is extravagant. It's not, that, that doesn't mean just a little bit. It means extravagant means more than enough, right? In other words, if you need $10, I'm going to give you 20, right? That's an extravagant thing. And God gives us more then we need Ephesians chapter one, verse three, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. God gives us more because he's generous. That's just his heart. Generosity is always extravagant, right? What Mary did that day was extravagant. Do you, do you think Jesus saw it as a waste? Judas saw it as a waste. Did Jesus see it as a waste? Did he see it that way? And when we talk about extravagant gifts, um, what would be an extravagant gift for God? I want you to think about that question. How much would, how much would, how much would be an extravagant to God? We see we're, we're not talking necessarily about money when we're, when we, when we are talking about money, remember God owns it all. So what is extravagant to him? So, so you tell me how much money you could give to God to impress him. It's, there's no amount. He, he owns it all, right? It's not about money. Listen, it's about our heart. It's about our heart. God wants you. He wants you. He doesn't need your money. He wants you. He wants you. And your money represents your heart. Represent your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is. So God wants our heart. Write it down. God wants our heart. What extravagant gift could you give to him? 
What can you give to God? It's not the amount, it's you. It's not the amount, it's you. There are three levels of giving in the Bible I want to talk to you about. Three levels of giving. The first one is tithes. Tithes is the 10% of income. It's, it's that tenth. That's what it is. It literally means tenth. It is that 10%. There's tithes. And by the way, that's the base layer of giving in scripture. It's the beginning place, right? We, we don't give offerings. We get, we bring tithes. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't give offerings until we've given the tithe until we've brought the tithe. Offerings, okay, second level of giving is above the tithe. Offerings are above the tithe. And then there's extravagant offerings, and those are sacrificial offerings is what that is. So in Scripture, we see these three levels of giving. But sadly, for most believers, they don't ever even get to the first level, that first level. It would shock you to see the tithing records of, of any church, okay? It might shock you to see your own tithing records, your own giving statements, right? But let, but let me let me tell you, if you ever get to the first level, let me tell you something, you'll get to the second one. If you ever get to the first one, you'll get to the second one because tithing breaks the curse and breaks open the windows of heaven. The, the scripture says that God will throw open the windows of heaven and pour out up among us of his bountiful gifts up among us. There's a level of generosity that God wants to do in our hearts. And there's many extravagant gifts in scripture. The one we're talking about today is one of those, this, this moment of extravagance. Mary gave one year's wage in perfume poured out on Jesus. She just pours it out. I can't even imagine even having a bottle of perfume worth a year's salary. But this is one instance in scripture with this big extravagant gift. There are people out there that may think God really doesn't want us to give extravagantly. Listen to time after time after time, all through scripture, there's these stories of extravagant offerings to God. This isn't a tithe. This is way above that right? King David, David set aside funds funds for Solomon to build the temple, right? You know how much David gave for, is set aside in order to, to build the temple? In today's, in today's currency, it would have been this, $21 billion. That's extravagant even for a king, right? Solomon, David's son, he, he then, Solomon gives extravagantly. The day he became king, he's supposed to, kind of customary, when you're anointed as king, when you take over the throne, you're to sacrifice one bull on an altar to God. He goes to the altar to give the sacrifice. And that night, God appeared to him in a dream and said, Solomon, ask anything you want and I'll grant it to you. Think about that. We've all played that little game as a kid, right? The whole genie in the bottle thing. This came true for Solomon. Solomon had a wish. He had one ask. He had one thing that he could ask the the Lord for, one thing, and he asked God to give him wisdom above all other things. And God gives him wisdom, and God makes him, the Bible says, the smartest man in the world, and he's also recorded as the wealthiest man in the world. I don't think those two things are coincidence myself. But you know what led to that moment, I want you to understand what led to this moment where where God is speaking to Solomon and says, just ask anything and I'll give it to you. What led there is 
he's, he's, he's required to offer one bull. The day he's, he's, he's going to become king, he's required to offer one bull. You know how many he offered? A thousand bulls. A thousand bulls on the altar. That's extravagant, right? Can you imagine what the people around him were thinking? I can't imagine just how much work that would be personally. But what are you doing, Solomon? Solomon's like, I'm going to give big. And they're like, well, big would be two, maybe three. Ten would be incredible. A hundred would be unbelievable. And you're asking, you're asking for us to bring a thousand bulls to the altar. And God shows up and says... Okay, after you've done, after he did this, God showed up and said, "Offer, ask anything you want to, and I'll give it to you. Ask anything you want." By, by the way, God will never say to a selfish person, "Ask anything you want." We never find that recorded. But over and over and over again in Scripture, God asks people. He comes to them and and he meets a need because listen, God can't trust a selfish person, but he can trust a generous person. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Another extravagant gift in the Bible is the widow's two mites. The two mites. It's, it's not about, remember, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. I know some of you right now, you're like, man, I'd love to give more. Listen, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart, right? The smallest amount of currency that was in production at that time. And Jesus said of this woman, it is better than any other gift that was given. I want you to, I want you to remember, he's standing at the front of the, of the church as they're giving in the offering that morning, right? How weird would that be? <laughs> I might feel a little bit like he's watching, right? He's literally watching what people are giving. By the way, he knows now, right? He's standing in the front or not. He knows. He's literally watching and he says of this woman who gives the two mites, he says, she gave more than all the rest. Why? Because she gave all she had. She gave everything she had. Here's an extravagant gift. How about when Abraham offered his son, Isaac, when he, when he prepares and brings Isaac to the mountain and is going to offer Abraham, offer Isaac on the altar, I'll give you one better than that. What about when God offered his son? What about when God offered his son? You see, it's all through the Bible. It's all through the Bible. Being generous, giving extravagant gifts, it's all through the scripture. What we see throughout scripture is a generous heart comes from a grateful heart. A grateful heart. We, we read in John chapter 12 of, of Mary, this story, Mary pouring out this perfume. That's John 12. I, I don't know if you know. Do you know what happened right before this in John chapter 11? Do you know what's going on? In John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And in John 12 happens, so it's recorded, it's happened just a couple months this passage, this story that we're talking about today, just a couple months later after Lazarus rises from the dead and, 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 and Mary now shows her appreciation by pouring out a year's wage on Jesus. She was mad. Remember, she was mad when Jesus showed up late to her brother's burial, right? Just two months earlier. This woman's mad. But how about the perspective change in that short amount of time after Jesus raises her brother from the dead. We see that that perspective entirely changed. I, I think having your brother raised from the dead would cause a perspective change. How about you, right? And maybe our perspective should change when we see our own lives raised from the dead, 
right? That we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God has come to offer us his only son that we might have life and life everlasting. Every single one of us, we too have that story of Mary. We too have our own life to be It's so thrilled that we're resurrected. See, listen, generosity comes from gratitude. It comes from gratitude. Everything changed for Mary when she saw that, right? When, she, when, when, when we give, listen, we have no idea how many lives will be affected with how we give or what we give, how many families are going to be forgiven, how many, how many marriages restored, how many people set free, how many children have a relationship with Christ that they will have lifelong, they'll raise children, they'll raise families, they'll touch the world out of what? Out of what's given in this house, out of what is given to the Lord. There is no way we can even imagine what God is going to do with the gifts that we give to him, right? So I never, I never shrink back asking people, number one, to be obedient. Number two, to give extravagantly, extravagantly. Number one, I have a clear conscience. I'm not Lazarus. I don't get any out of it. Okay. It's not how it works, but God always, listen, God always has a purpose, even though we don't know it sometimes even though we don't know it. Now, this story is also in the gospel of Mark and Matthew. Mark chapter 14, verse eight says this, she has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Now, we all know that Mary knew what she wanted. She, she, she had she had gratitude in her heart and she knew what she wanted to do for Jesus. John says she poured the oil out on his feet. Mark and Matthew, they tell us also, she also poured it out on his head. Jesus makes this statement. She didn't, she did it to anoint my body for burial. That's what Jesus is saying. I want you to think about this. Six days, this is six days before Jesus goes to the cross. Six days. When they took him off the cross. It was just a few hours before the Sabbath began. Do you know what they did not do when they took him off the cross? They didn't anoint his body for burial. They didn't anoint him before they put him in the tomb. They didn't anoint him. We know that because that's what these ladies are doing on Sunday morning when they run to the tomb of Jesus and find him resurrected. They find the tomb empty, right? He had risen. So the only one who had anointed Jesus's body for burial was Mary six days before. And she didn't even know what she was doing. We don't often know what we're doing when we're generous to the Lord. She didn't know, but God used what she was doing to change the world. So often we give, we don't know what God's doing, but listen, generosity is also rewarded. It's rewarded. Matthew 26 verse 10. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the women? They're the woman for she has done a good work for me. You have the poor with you always, but me, you will not have always for in pouring out this fragrant oil on my body. She did it for my burial. Surely I say to you, whatever this gospel is preached, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. How many of you like your, to reward your children when they do something good? I love it. I love giving my kids. I love surprising them. I love doing that. That's, 
how good God is, but times greater, right? I feel like I really need to ask you this today. I really feel like this, God is leading this, leading us up to this moment, right? To ask you this in this area of my life, I want you to ask God, what are you leading me to do with my generosity? How are you leading me to live, to give? I'm asking you to consider to be more generous than you've ever been. Take a step. Well, I'm right here. I'm, I'm almost tithing. Well, then tithe, right? Oh, I'm a tither, but I'm not. I don't give above the tithe. Man, I, can, I, I just encourage you. Don't ask me what to do. I want you to ask God what to do. And I want to ask you to consider being more generous than ever before. Why? There's a dying world out there. We need to reach them, right? We got to reach them. We got to reach them. Listen, I'm going to give you some some things to, to think about. I want you to, listen, hear God. Number one, hear God. Number two, the excitement will begin to grow, right? Then logic will set in, right? Logic. Is this a good thing? Logic's a good thing, but sometimes it can be a hindrance to what God has for you. What do you think logic said to Abraham, right? When God asked him to sacrifice his son, logic was like, pump the brakes, right? Listen, then doubt will come. When God asks you to give big, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I was me just wanting to do something. Then faith will begin to rise, and then excitement comes right back. It comes right back. Listen, I want you to ask, I want you to say to the Lord, Father, I know you don't need it, but what do you want me to give? How do you want me to give? How do you want me to serve you in this way? How, how would you receive, what would you do? God, what are you gonna do? I wanna give this. I wanna offer you my life. Number one, offer your life. And then how you wanna give extravagantly. Open your heart and allow God to lead you in this area of life. Listen, I love you so much. Thanks so much for being with us this week. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.